The sun has set, the lights are low, the candles are lit, it is now time for the creepy podcast, host Jason, never mind, sounds by DJ4AN, I will kill you in your sleep, just kidding, but for real, I lie behind your mirror. The sun has set, the lights are low, the candles are lit. It is now time for the creepy podcast. Ghost Jason, never mind. Sounds fine, DJ for AM. I will kill you in your sleep. Just kidding, but for real, I lie behind your mirror. The creepy podcast, episode 8, story 1, Night Mother. This story is called Night Mother. This might already be a new drinking game. Uh, okay, so we've got uh, comma and, and then we've got dumb dad decision, and now we have potentially crazy mother because I feel like it's another part of the psychology in creepy pasta, creepy pasta, excuse me, that we are just destined to unlock. So uh, let's see where this goes. Night Mother. In Charlotte, North Carolina, there is a diner. The sign on the door says, It is closed, but the door will be unlocked. You can walk inside her if you like her, but you know that if you do, you cannot leave until your task is completed. Inside, it will be too dark to distinguish any details in the room. Regardless of time, walk forward. Do not turn left. Or right. The distance you walk varies, but it is always longer than the building will physically allow. That is already mind-blowing. <laughs> Eventually, you will reach a stairway. You will know this because it will be <laughs> a bunch of steps leading somewhere. Eventually, you will reach a stairway. You will know this because a dim light will shine at the bottom of the stairwell. Before you descend, speak these words. I've come to make a deal with the Night Mother. You will hear a sinister growl and reply. You are now free to descend the stairs. Should the light from the stairs ever cease to shine, you can try running. The Night Mother's children love a bit of exercise before a feast. Should the light not go out, however, when you reach the bottom of the stairwell, call the Night Mother. Then you will black out. You will wake up in a small, dark room. Illuminated, backtrack, dark room, illuminate, illuminated, dark room, illuminated by a single hanging light bulb. Stand up. You will notice there is a wooden chair and table. Sit in the chair. On the other side, that's the Night Mother. She will not speak. Tell the Night Mother what you desire most in the world. But sure, it is something you cannot obtain because the Night Mother asks a hefty price for the wishes she grants. Once you have told the Night Mother your wish, she will stretch out her hand. It will be nothing but bone with rotted flesh loosely hanging from it. Her fingers will dig into your skull, comma, and your mind will be filled with images of dismembered corpses, deformed animales, comma, and oh, aborted fetuses, semicolon, among other gruesome things. Whatever you see, do not open your eyes. Whatever you see, do not open your eyes. Eventually, the images will stop and the pain will fade, comma, and you will fall into a deep slumber. When you awaken, you will be in front of the diner. You're free to go. When you reach the place that you call home, what you wish for will come into your possession. 
Now, every night when you sleep, you will dream of the dimly lit room in which your wish was granted, and you must sit down in the chair provided. The night mother will give you a picture of someone. The following day, you will see this person, comma, and you must kill them and consume their flesh. Be sure what you wished for was worth it, because you are the night mother's slave until the day you die. You better make damn sure well it's worth it that you have the same face as Channing Tatum now. Kill. It's worth it. Kill. It's worth it to be the singer Kill. who wins American Idol and gets to work with Kill. Kanye Worst, Kill. cousin to Liberworst. Kill. You're listening to the Creepy Podcast. Kill. The Creepy Podcast, Episode 8, Story 2, The Theater, Seriously, I will stab your face while you sleep. I picked this story. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, yeah. Recording after getting my tooth pulled uh, ended up being a good idea. I'm very relaxed. Alright, so I picked this story from the video game section. I was never a huge gamer, but for some reason I find these fascinating, so... Uh, lost creepy video games? Yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> Let's see where this one goes. Where is this journey going to take us? This story is called The Theater. Have you ever heard of an old game called The Theater? Yeah. Didn't think so. Probably because many say it doesn't even exist. You see, the theater was an old game released around the same time as Doom. <laughs> Today, if you ever find it, it's only available on crappy bootleg CD-ROMs, which more often than not don't even actually contain the game. The actual legitimate copies that they say were released back in the day feature a blank cover with nothing but the sprite of what has since been named the Ticket Taker. He is simply a poorly drawn, pixelated, bald, Caucasian man with large red lips wearing a red vest over a white shirt and black jeans. Black pants. Sorry, black pants. He is completely expressionless. Though some say that if you smash the disc, his face is shown as angry the next time you look at the cover. Though that is just dismissed as an urban legend. Okay. What is peculiar about the theater, though, is that there is no developer named on the jewel case, nor a game description on the back. It is simply the ticket taker on a white background on both sides. Already it's mysterious. Mysteriously creepy. Mysteriously creepy. The game was initially known for its inability to install correctly. This game sucks. <laughs> the installation process immediately locks up the computer when the user reaches the licensing agreement. Ugh. Also strange about the licensing agreement for the theater is that whenever the development studio is supposed to be named, the text simply is a blank line. Anyways, most people who have claimed to owning one of the original CDs say that they figured out how to install the game by simply rebooting their computer on the licensing agreement with the disc still inside. Then they are prompted to press I agree on startup. Then they continue with the installation. Okay. If a player supposedly manages to find what they believe to be a working copy, they have said that the installer window will freeze and stop responding before you can click your first next but they do also say that their PCs do not lock up and it is only the installer that freezes. This is riveting. I'm riveted. It is unknown that these are actual copies or fakes, but it is widely thought that these working copies are just to draw internet attention with no proof of the installation effects. Upon proper installation, the game then starts up without any introduction besides a main menu that is simply the sprite of the movie theater's exterior on an empty city street. The title fades in, then the three menu buttons, new game, load options. Selecting options immediately crashes the game to the desktop. 
Load is said not to function at all. Even if you do have a saved game, nothing happens when you press it. Thus, new game is the only working menu option. It seems like whoever made this game just is really terrible at making games. Got a shitty cover, it crashes your computer, only one button works. Once it is selected, you are in the first person view. You are standing in an empty movie theater lobby, with the exception of the ticket taker standing in front of a dark hallway which one can only assume leads to the theaters themselves. There's nothing to do but look at the poorly drawn, mostly illegible movie posters or approach the ticket taker. Once the player moves toward the ticket taker, a very low quality sound clip plays saying, Thank you. Please enjoy the movie. Along with a speech box saying the same thing. Okay. You then walk into the hallway, and the screen fades to black, and you're back in the empty lobby, and you do the exact same thing again and again and again. <laughs> oh, this sounds like a horrible game. Why would you play this game? While this may sound like a really horrible game, <laughs> no shit, a number of peculiar things occur as you continue to play it. The number of times that you have to continue into the hall after giving your ticket to the ticket taker before the strange events happen is unknown. Most state that it's completely random and can take anywhere from the first playthrough to the 400th. What happens, though, has deeply disturbed some players. You know from around the way they disturbed now, yeah. The hands are all bloody from punching on the concrete. Disturbed players. That was my gangster rap group in the, in the 1990s, right? The first occurrence is when the player fades back in after walking into the hallway. This time they will notice the ticket taker is completely absent. Oh shit, where's the ticket taker? I don't trust that guy as far as I can throw him. I can't throw him very far. Because he's not real. <sighs> the first occurrence is when the player fades back in after walking into the hallway. This time they will notice the ticket taker is completely absent. The player then, without any other options, decides to walk into the dark hallway. The sound clip and text box mentioned previously still play in the absence of the ticket taker. But when the player walks into the hallways, the screen does not fade out. It goes pitch black as they walk deeper into the hall. But the player's footstep sound clip is still playing as they continue to push the up button on their keyboard. Those claiming to have played the original game report to have felt extremely uncomfortable walking down the hallway, anticipating the hallway something horrible happening. Well, eventually the player is unable to move forward. There is nothing for a few moments before a strange sprite that is described as the ticket taker, but with a swirl for a face, appears and stands before the player. Ooh, creepy. Creepy. The original players of the game say their bodies immediately froze up and their stomachs churned. They saw this sprite. Okay, this is, what the, this is the line. The original players of the game say their bodies immediately froze up and their stomachs churned. They saw this sprite, which had been appropriately named Swirlyhead Man. I saw them open up for Ned's Atomic Dustbin once, I think. Nothing happens as the Swirlyhead Man stands before them. Then suddenly, a piercing screech plays as the game glitches out. This lasts for a few minutes, with the screeching being continuous. Then the player is abruptly returned to the lobby, with all the sounds and graphics being as they should be. The game continues normally for the next couple of cycles of entering the hallway, with a couple of the original players claiming the swirlyhead man would briefly appear and disappear in the corner of the screen as a brisk yelp sound effect plays. Then, at some point after meeting the swirlyhead man, the player sees the ticket taker pacing back and forth. Though there is no walking animation, the sprite's limbs are completely static, so he just hops up and down slightly as a substitute. <laughs> this is weird. With his eyes being wide and his mouth open to simulate a worried facial expression. Some players noted that the movie posters had been replaced with images of the swirly head man, which caused them to immediately turn their character's head away from the posters and approach the ticket taker. Then another, different, low-quality sound clip plays, but the speech box containing nothing but corrupted characters that caused whatever text that would have been in the box to be completely illegible. Due to the extremely low quality of the sound, it is debated by players what exactly the ticket taker says at this point, though it is widely agreed that he says, Never reach the other levels. Then the screen fades out once again and returns the player back to their starting point in the lobby. But the ticket taker is gone, and the hallway is blocked by a large brick wall sprite. Touching the brick wall will immediately crash the game, and that's all there is to it. 
No one knows what the other levels are or how to gain access to them, nor is it known why the swirly head man causes such acute fear in those who have seen him in the game. All of the original copies of the theater have either been lost or destroyed, but the creepiest part is the fact that all the original players of the game claim to occasionally see a brief glimpse of the swirly head man out of the corner of their eyes. Yeah, that was a little creepy. It was. It was a little, a little creepy there. A little. I would have liked something more to happen, but uh, the creep factor was, was present. I appreciate the creepiness. Okay. That was a creepy pasta. Right on. The Creepy Podcast Episode 8 Story 3 The Blue Blanket The Blue Blanket The Blue Blanket I am a big fan of the uh, the peanuts, you know. Uh, well, I mean, not the legumes, because peanuts apparently are—they're not nuts, right? They're something else. But I mean, the comic strip by Charles Schultz. I think that's how you say it. Some people say Schultz, but I think it's Schultz. But anyways, uh, this creepy pasta is called uh, the blue blanket. The blue blanket. And instantly, when I saw the words Blue Blanket, I thought of Linus. For some strange reason, I thought of Linus. Maybe it's because he always had a blue blanket. So this creepy pasta is called The Blue Blanket. Back when I was a kid, I used to live in a really crappy apartment. When I say see rappy, I means it. There would be mice crawling everywhere. We had a bug problem. Spaghetti, spaghetti, comma, and not to mention the leaking from the sink. Sometimes the toilets wouldn't even flush. Living there was probably the worst three years of my life. Anyways, during the first year I moved there, my mom and dad used to argue a lot about money. My dad would sometimes buy cigarettes behind my mom's back, and they would argue and argue. It wasn't the best thing to hear as a kid, but one day my dad came home with a blue blanket. At the time, I was six and I slept with it almost every night. One day, my dad was driving the family to New York City for our family vacation, but even there, we couldn't afford a good place to stay. Fortunately, one of my dad's old friends lived in New York City, so we stayed at his house. I could hear my dad show his gratitude a lot. I brought my blanket with me, of course. Since my dad's friends didn't have enough rooms, I slept on the sofa. My dad slept on an old mattress on the floor, comma, and my mom slept next to me on the sofa. I would cuddle in my blue blanket every night. Overall, the vacation was... That's not a vacation. And honestly, I think this blue blanket might honestly... Uh, I grew up a little uh, financially unstable, and uh, I'm thinking this might be one of those U-Haul blankets. And yeah, you're actually supposed to pay for those. Like, those cost money. You're supposed to leave a credit card on file. Fortunately, one of my dad's old friends lived in New York City, so we stayed at his house. I would hear my dad show his gratitude a lot. TMI. I brought my blanket with me, of course, to cover up the noise. <laughs> Since my dad's friend didn't have enough rooms, I slept on the sofa. My dad slept on an old mattress on the floor, comma, and my mom slept next to me on the sofa. So we backtracked back around to the sofa. I would cuddle in my blue blanket every night. Overall, the vacation wasn't that bad since my dad brought me to this amusement park, Coney Island. I had a hell of a good time there, but on that day something happened. I was sitting on a beach eating some ice cream when my blanket got carried away by the wind. When I found out, I was crying and everyone was looking at me. Eventually, I got over it since my mom promised to buy me another one. Another ice cream or blue blanket? Uh, okay. When we got home, I was completely shocked. I think you can all guess what happened next. My mother pulled the blue blanket out of her purse tied it around my neck slowly and said, I'm gonna make you a very pretty necktie. That's not what happened at all. Where were we? Oh yeah, I think you can go. Uh, all, I think you can all guess what happened next. <laughs>
No, I can't. What the f- I mean, unless it's just going to turn up again. I mean, are we really building up to just like, oh, my blue blanket came My blue blanket came back. Boo-hoo. In most horror stories, the blanket would probably appear back in the house. But in this case, it was totally different. My mom and dad were completely surprised, but since I was only six at the time, I didn't see anything went wrong. The blanket was in our mailbox with a note attached to it saying, You left your blanket. You left the blanket and you didn't. You took the lotion. lotion. You took all my lotion and here's your blanket. I just thought someone was really nice and found my blanket for me. I was actually quite happy. I continued on sleeping with it almost every single night, even though it made me itch and felt like fiberglass and followed my daily routine. Since I was six, I went to school like what an average kid would go at the age of six. Repeat of sentence. Since I was six, I went to school like what an average kid would go at the age of six. New paragraph. One day, the teacher announced that we were going to have a show and tell. The teacher encouraged every kid to bring in something. (laughs) Not very high standards of the show and tell. I brought in my blanket, of course. Oh, yeah. Overachiever. Yeah. Yo. I'm really not seeing much of a future for you because, uh, dude, you brought your blanket to show it. <laughs> At that time, I had a friend named Jason. Hey, don't bring me into this. Jason was Chinese, I believe. Well, you didn't even know? <laughs> we started hanging out in the first couple of days of school since we were both Chinese. Oh, uh, my friend Jason brought in an action figure of a Power Ranger. It could transform into two forms, comma, and at that time, it was pretty damn amazing. I kind of became obsessed with it so much that I offered to let him borrow my blanket in exchange for his Power Ranger action figure. When I was six, I was a surprisingly good good negotiator. Okay, that makes sense because, like, seriously, like, really, hey, yo, I got this blanket, yo. I know it's a U-Haul blanket, but... Give me your awesome toy and I'll give you this shitty blanket that feels like fiberglass and smells like hobos. Uh, When I was six, I was a surprisingly good negotiator as I still am now. Give me your fruit cup. When I went home that day, we received an UPS package that day. Me and my parents were confused since we didn't buy anything and it had my mom's name on it. We opened it together and there it was. A blue blanket in the box. Attached to it was a note. You should really stop losing your blanket. I was a bit confused and told my parents the situation. I still feel kind of bad for doing this. But the next day in school, he told me that he lost my blanket, and in return, he let me keep his action figure. I could have just told him that I had it, but really, I like that toy. That day when I went to sleep, sleep, and imagined that you were there with me, I felt really weird, as if someone was talking to me. I heard whispers of someone saying, Are you happy? You got a free toy. And at that time, I wasn't really afraid of ghosts or the dark. Funny thing is that I actually got scared of the dark at age 11. But back to the story. (laughs) I started to... (laughs) But back to the story. I started to trade my blanket for things since I kind of figured out no matter who I gave it to, it would just return to me either way. I still feel guilty to this day. School was just like normal, but since I had Asian parents, I had high expectations. One day, I got suspended for getting into a fist fight. I ended up with a black eye 
from the fight, comma, and an ass whooping from my parents. Ever since then, I would talk to my blanket and tell him about my personal feelings, but I didn't hear any whisper. Instead, I kept dreaming of a blanket replying to me, comma, and the blanket in my dreams was the exact blanket I slept with. When time went by, I was in high school, and before I knew it, I didn't even use my blanket anymore. <laughs> I had a job at the time, and I purchased this really soft and furry blanket. The fur was so soft, and it felt so good. As I slept in it every night, I wouldn't have any more dreams besides my love fantasies. And I must say, here is the sentence. As I slept in it every night, comma, I wouldn't have any more. A-N-Y-M-O-R-E. I wouldn't have any more dreams besides my love fantasies. But that's another story. One day my friend Jason... Never mind. ...died in a horrible car accident. That's terrible. Never mind. I believe his car's his brakes broke and he ran into the ocean. Never mind. That's what you believe. Okay. There's probably more evidence for Santa Claus. Someone told me that while he tried to open the doze, there was a blue cloth tied around his neck to the seat. When I heard this, I became very scared. And when I read that, I became very confused. Is, is this blanket like Christine, the strawberry girl? or Wait, what's the other Christine? Christine, no. I'm, okay, I'm thinking the car movie, the one that that crazy guy wrote that keeps writing awesome books that I need to catch up on. Stephen Prince, that's the guy. Okay, so it's a blue cloth tied around his neck. Okay, so I think it's the blank. I think the blanket is is responsible. The U-Haul blanket is responsible. That day when I got home. I received a letter from Anonymous. Uh-oh, you're in trouble, dude, because they totally blow the internet up. They're going to totally just expose all of your blue blanket monstrosities and perversions. Dakota the blue blanket. The exact words are still in my head. Why don't you sleep with me anymore? Oh, that's just a creepy sentence no matter where it comes from. Why don't you sleep with me anymore? At first I thought it was a joke, since that sounded a bit sexual to me. Something changed my life forever. My father was apparently strangled to death. They say there was a blue cloth tied around his neck. Police say that they couldn't find the person that's killed him. Police say that they couldn't find the person that killed him, but they could find the person who sold him the scarf. And they also knew that it was very popular at a certain bar uh, by the name of the Blue Oyster. But I knew what did it. I actually looked at the calendar and found out it was exactly 666 days from the incident where my friend Jason died. I was really scared, so I took the blanket and I burnt it. The thing that really makes my heart jump is that my mother died in her work building from a fire. I couldn't make up my mind, so I'm deciding to commit suicide right now. If you read this, the date should be April 30th, 2010, the year we make contact. Exactly 666 days from when my father passed away. Just two hours ago, I received the news of my mother's death. Farewell, hopefully I won't be haunted in the afterlife. Signed, Jack. Good night, Jack. Categories. Items, objects, demon, terror. Good 
Creepy Podcast Episode 8 Story 4 40 Freaking Creepy Ass to Sentence Stories The Creepy Podcast Episode 8 Story 4 40 Freaking Creepy Ass to Sentence Stories Welcome You know, here at the Creepy Podcast, I don't want anyone to think that the show is a one-trick pony, that it can it relies solely on creepypasta, even though it's completely anchored in and inspired by creepypasta. But, and here comes the big but, there are other places we can go to have fun. This is taken from thoughtcatalog.com. And it's from a couple of years ago, but uh, these are these are out there. They are two sentence scary stories. So this page is called Forty Freaking Creepy Ass Two Sentence Stories. I'm gonna do my best to get through these freaking creepy ass. I seen some creepy ass in my days. I tell you, I'll tell you, my uncle had a creepy ass ass. He had asteroids. Couldn't even sit on the toilet without getting shot at by spaceships. Number one, just another muffled vo- I'm assuming it's supposed to say just another muffled voice, but it doesn't. All right, number one, just another muffled. Number one. Number one. Just another muffled voice. I begin tucking him into bed, and he tells me, Daddy, check for monsters under my bed. I look underneath for his amusement and see him, another him, under the bed, staring back at me, quivering and whimpering. Daddy, there's somebody on my bed. Okay. Here we go, yo. That's an interesting scenario. Those are very long sentences. Number two. Gagig. G-A-G-E-G-E. Gagigi. The doctors told the amputee he might experience a phantom limb from time to time. No one prepared him for the moments, though, when he felt cult figures brush across his phantom hand. My phantom hand. The one that gives me the stranger. Number three. Number three. Graboid 27. Maybe I should be giving you the punctuation so you can really see how these are two-sentence scary stories. Okay. I can't move, comma, breathe, comma, speak or hear, and it's so dark here all the time, period. If I knew it would be this lonely, comma, I would have been cremated instead, period. I have to agree with this. I feel like this is good, uh, humanistic, realistic, two-sentence horror story writing. Because uh, if I had the choice between being in a place where I couldn't move, breathe, speak, hear, and it was dark all the time, and I was lonely, or being covered in delicious cream, I think I would just, you know, despite the humiliation it might cause, it's delicious cream as opposed to suffocating loneliness. So uh, is that my uh, reality show calling? Number four. It's a lucky number for you. Number four. Anarchist waffles. One word. Anarchist waffles. Anarchist waffles. Waffles. Don't be scared of the monsters, comma. Just look for them, period. Look to your left, comma. To your right, comma. Under your bed, comma. Behind your dresser, comma. In your closet, but never look up. She hates being seen, period. <sighs> Anarchist waffles. Scary waffles. Scary waffles. Super syrup. Number five. The real hat I'm assuming it says the real hat man, but it's all one word in lowercase, so it's the real hat I woke up to hear knocking on glass, period. At first, comma, I thought they were filming us a mix-a-lot video. At first, comma, I thought it was the window until I heard it come from the mirror again, period. Don't! Oh, it's the mirror again. Those demons, I shouldn't have done that ritual from the creepy paste. I'm so stupid. Oh. Ah, the real hat man. Number six. Knows gooder than you. One word. Knows gooder than you. They celebrated the first successful cryogenic freezing, period. 
He had no way of letting them know he was still conscious, period. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's Tom Hanks. I know it's Tom Hanks. That's his new movie. It's going to be a 400-year epic of him being frozen and just watching and, and, and mentally commentating on things and having his own hallucinations. Uh, you know, that movie where he's named over... You know, that movie where he's named after like a place where there's all the trees and the place where they serve all the shrimp. Uh, Number seven, Pugin 91. PGAN 91. Pugin 91. Pugin 91. She wondered why she was casting two shadows, period. After all, comma, there was only a single light bulb, period. Hmm. That sounds more like a. Like a science show on PBS, you know, that I used to stay home. I used to fake sick so I could stay home and, and watch educational television instead of go to school because it was way more fun to watch Newton's Apple than to put my head down because the teacher had a headache. Number eight. I, I believe it says horses everywhere, but it's all one word, so. Horses everywhere. It sat on my shelf with thoughtless porcelain eyes and the prettiest pink doll dress I could find. Period. Why did she have to be born still? Oh, oh, why is it called horses everywhere? Are these the people that wrote them? Or I think these are the people that wrote them. I think I'm an idiot. And these aren't the, the titles, because I'm... Okay. So these are the names of the people that are writing them. Number nine. Number nine. Schnell. Bent reflection. Bent reflection. Ben Trey Fleck. Tion. The grinning face stared at me from the darkness beyond my bedroom window, period. I live on the 14th floor, period. Number 10, Gusta Luz. <laughs> there was a picture in my phone of me sleeping. I live alone. <laughs> Number 11, Marino 1310. I just saw my reflection blink. Okay. That's very short. It's a very uh, interesting, creepy concept. But, again, it's only one sentence. He's supposed to do at least two, so... Where's the kicker? You know, where's the... Where I'm like, oh, oh man, I'm not gonna sleep without the lights on tonight. It's just summer reflection blink in what? <laughs> What, man? Mar, sorry, Mar Eno, 1310. Okay, number 12. Working the night shift alone tonight. There's a face in the cellar staring at the security camera. Oh, that's just Mr. Campbell. He's down there like every Tuesday because he gets in a fight with his wife. And he's really just, he's catatonic drunk. They, they pick him up from Murray's down the street. You know, he's just been down there. Moved. He'll eventually, he'll eventually drink about three quarts of buttermilk and then wander home and be fine for work the next day. Somehow, he, he just does. It's okay. Don't worry about him. He's the flower delivery man. Number 13, Mikey75. They deliver the mannequins in bubble wrap. <laughs> From the main room, I began to hear popping. Oh, no. That just opens up too many avenues for speculation. They deliver the mannequins in the bubble wrap. One of them looked like King Cattrall. Is that... No. One of them looks like Alfonso Ribeiro back in the 80s. Number 14, Tusked, tusked Lemon. You wake up. She doesn't. Um, okay, moving on. Number 15, Calamitosity. She asked why I was breathing so heavily. I wasn't. Number 16, mad, mad, dad, dad, madam. You get home, tired. <laughs> this sounds like a, like a commercial for some kind of anti-insomnia drug. Hold on. Obviously, I'm done with the punctuation. You get the idea. You get home, tired after a long day's work and ready for a relaxing night alone. You reach for the light switch. But another hand is already there. <sighs> Number 17, Scuppy. My daughter won't stop crying and screaming in the middle of the night. I 
visit her grave and ask her to stop, but it doesn't help. Just fucking die already. I should have never gave you an ear hole. And I should have stopped giving you cold cuts. Uh, Number 18, Fluffy Ponyza. Day 312. Internet still not working. <laughs> Number 19, Anonymous ABC. You start to drift off into a comfortable sleep when you hear your name being whispered. You live alone. Storyteller Bob. I kiss my wife and daughter goodnight before I go to sleep. When I wake up, I'm in a padded room and the nurses tell me it was just a dream. That's like the two-sentence saddest story I've ever I've ever read. I just want to read it backwards so I can just get my hope back in humanity. You mother bunch of tabbies. Number 21, way safe. I needed to quickly run an SQL command to update a single row in an Oracle DB table at work. To my horror, it came back with negative 2,378,231 rows affected. Fuck. Did I just read? Number 22, Jesus Mendez. <laughs> This one is actually something that I'm, I've been freaked out about since I was a kid. It's something old school. I think it's an old urban legend or whatever, but yeah, okay. First off, it's not laying, it's lying. You're, <laughs> you're laying in bed and with your feet dangling out of the covers, you feel a hand grab your feet. I know. No, Jesus Mendes, no. Don't grab my feet, no. <laughs> I know. No. Number 23, Tolfmod. T-L-F-M-O-D. The funeral attendees never came out of the catacombs. Something locked the crypt from the inside. I don't get it. Number 24, the D-string. My wife woke me up last night to tell me there was an intruder in our house. She was murdered by an intruder two years ago. That's... See, that. what it is is that you're psychic and that your shit's about two years late. So what you really have is really bad hindsight, intuition, hindsight kind of thing. See, if you had like maybe 20 minutes ahead of time instead of two years behind that situation might have ended differently. You could have both been killed by a knife. Number 25, Amorth. Mesa called Jar Jar Binks. Mesa, your humble servant. Oh, good. Number 26. Vigria Darina. I was having a pleasant dream when what sounded like hammering woke me. <laughs> After that, I could barely hear the muffled sound of dirt covering the coffin over my own screams. Okay, I get it. We're all totally scared of dying and being buried alive and... Having to listen to that terrible music, that creed or whatever, because that's what really they play in, in hell. You think that hell has good music? No. Hell is hell. What do you think they're going to listen to in a place that's meant to torture you? I love rap music. Whatever DC talk, like that kind of shit, that's what they're going to play. That's it. Okay. Number 27. Scree 67. Oh, no. Okay. I'm just going to read this, and right away, if you're a nerd, you'll know why it's wrong. The last man on Earth sat alone in a room. There was a knock at the door. Candy Graham. Pizza? Oh, pizza sounds good right now. I might have to go get some pizza. Okay, that's whoever wrote that bit that. That's from, that was the radio play. I don't know if that was the original. It's Ray Bradbury, isn't it? I mean, you can, seriously, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but that's an old school story. Cobalt Collapse, number 28. After working a hard day, I came home to see my girlfriend cradling our child. I didn't know which was more frightening. I didn't know which was more frightening. Seeing my dead girlfriend and stillborn child, 
or knowing that someone broke into my apartment to place them there. You need to remove yourself from the drama because you are probably in a dark drug hole, I would assume. You really just need to just get out of where you are. So number 29, comparatively sane. You hear your mom calling you into the kitchen. As you are heading down the stairs, you hear a whisper from the closet saying, I hear your mom calling calling you into the kitchen. As you are heading down the stairs, you hear a whisper from the closet. You hear your mom calling you into the kitchen. As you are heading down the stairs, you hear a whisper from the closet saying, Don't go down there, honey. I heard it too. Number 30. I hate E-Y-E-H-A-T-E. And what's Zuat? And Taco Bell was... I hate number 30. I'm just going to say that. Number 31. Genetically witless. I never go to sleep, but I keep waking up. I feel like a lot of people are just afraid of real life. That's all. And it's scary. You should be afraid of it. Avoid real life at all costs. It sucks. Number 32. I choked Cheryl Tunt. I... No. Okay. Nurse's note. Born 7 pounds, 10 ounces, 18 inches long, 32 fully formed teeth. Silent, always smiling. Number 33, Aaron. She went upstairs to check on her sleeping toddler. The window was open and the bed was empty. Meh. Got off easy. Number 34, Black Magic. The longer I wore it, the more it grew on me. Number 34, Black Magic. The longer I wore it, the more it grew on me. She had such pretty skin. It puts the lotion in the basket. Put it in the basket. Put it in the fucking basket. Number 35. Vault Kid 321. I can't sleep. Oh, sorry. Uh, hold on. I can't sleep, she whispered, crawling into bed with me. Hey, <laughs> cool. I woke up cold, clutching the dress she was buried in. Ew, dude. No, no. Party felt. Party fell. That's disgusting. Number 36. D-K-M-I-N-O. You hear the scream across the hallway, but your eyes won't open and you can't move. One sentence and seriously, very boring. Very, very boring. Number 37. Scabby cakes. Being the first to respond to a fetal car accident. The fetuses should not be driving. They're just like stuck to the top of the steering wheel. They're not big enough to drive yet. You need to string a bunch of them together so like some kind of human centipede fetus driving wicker man edifice rex. Um, oh, hold on. Being the first to respond to a fatal car accident is always the most traumatic thing I see as a police officer. But today... When the crushed body of the little dead child boy... (laughs) When the crushed body of the little dead child boy... (laughs) When the crushed body of the little dead... (laughs) Being the first to respond to a fatal car accident is always the most traumatic thing I see as a police officer. But today... When the crushed body of the little dead child boy strapped in his car seat opened his eyes and giggled at me when I tried to peel him out of the wreckage, I immediately knew that today would be my last day on the force. (sighs) Number 38, Aulette. I looked out my window. The stars had gone away. Number 39, Hanuk Brian. (laughs) Okay. 
<laughs> I always thought my cat had a staring problem. She always seemed fixated on my face. And why not? Because I'm gorgeous. Until one day when I realized that she was always looking just behind me. Oh, no. Looking just behind. Oh, no. Number 40. Thank freaking God. Yosh Cow. The pair of emaciated eyes outnumber the single round in my gun. <laughs> With pleading tears falling on her doll's hair, I point the barrel at my last surviving daughter. Dude. Dude. Uh, okay. Uh, sad. Sad, Jason. Sad, Jason. You have just had your mind poked by the creepy podcast. Don't worry. We'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. The Creepy Podcast is a product of the Vampire on a Pony Podcast Network.